0: Coming to you from the home of the Frango Mint, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast that casts pods all day, every day. And now, shining example to he-men everywhere, Medicare expert Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you so much to uh, Drew McMillan for that wonderful introduction. He is a genius, a comedic genius. And uh, we got to see him and his whole family over Thanksgiving in California. And now we're coming into Christmas time when his brother, Robbie. Has his uh, birthday on Christmas, which is uh, an annual reminder of the uh, stupidity of the Canadian healthcare system. Uh, Robbie's mother was, uh, you know, going along just fine in her pregnancy. And uh, her doctor said, well, you know, at some point you're going to have that baby. We better schedule some time in the delivery room in our local hospital where her other kids were born. And so, of course, uh, he called back and he said, well, we got a little problem here because of the Canadian healthcare system. The delivery room is full. It's completely scheduled out for the next uh, three months. So what we're going to do, there's a, a slight window of opportunity on Christmas Day. So we're going to slap you in the hospital and induce labor. Whether your kid is ready or not, he's going to be joining the rest of the Canadians that are standing in line to get health care services, and uh, it'll happen to be on Christmas Day. Hope you don't mind. Didn't have anything else planned, did you, Emily McMillan? So happy birthday to Robbie, because he wasn't aware of what was going on, and I'm sure he doesn't bear any ill will, but uh, on the other hand, I have to say that there are Children are half American. They have uh, dual citizenship. Uh, Emily made sure uh, that they would be uh, Americans through and through. And uh, they are uh, patriotic Americans. I will say that for them. They fly the American flag along with the Canadian flag on two big flagpoles at their lake cottage Uh, in Muskoka or near Muskoka so anyway that's it for my family's news today I should talk about the book that we have just released Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 it's up on Amazon you've got your hardcover book with beautiful color illustrations inside It makes an excellent gift for those of your family members who uh, want to put trophies on their bookshelves to remind them of your love, your devotion to them, your desire for their happiness. $22 will buy their devotion and will purchase their happiness, and will teach them a little bit about Medicare. A little bit. Heck, it'll teach them everything they need to know about Medicare. You can buy the regular paperback for $8 and the Kindle version for three dollars and 80 cents and sooner or later we're going to have a an audible version wherein someone will read the book to you and uh, that way it'll be less work for you to absorb all the knowledge that book is going to help make you a medicare expert and it will be well worth its money when you are able to make the right decisions call on me to be, be the insurance agent for your uh medicare insurance acquisitions and uh as you leave medicare behind you and uh down the the uh, golden path into the future without a care in the world when it comes to medicare because the book would have told you everything you need to do so i would highly suggest buying medicare for the lazy man 2023 has orange numbers on the cover. Randy Carson is a guy who uh, engineers this podcast so that it doesn't sound stupid. If it were me engineering it, it would sound dopey. But uh, with Randy at the helm, uh, the podcast is much better than it would otherwise. Good morning, Randy. How the heck are you today?
1: Good morning, Mr. Jones. How are you? You're looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed.
0: Oh boy, that's that's interesting to have a bushy tail. That's not something I ever <laughs> aspired to, but we've it's got always, a big. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say we got a big day today, as you can tell by the checklist sheets that I finally headed your direction.
1: We we do normally. You know, this is for the audience. Uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes information. Uh, normally, our podcast check sheet or whatever you want to call it is only one page. Sometimes it's one only came- one word. Well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, today's, just so you know, it, it came with an index. Uh, ah. there, there's so much on it that it's now it's got an external index, and uh, we're going to have to work our way through carefully. Otherwise, we're going to miss something, Doug.
0: Yeah, I know, but I was more ambitious than usual. I said, look, there's a lot of important stuff we have to plow through, hopefully interesting stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to be important. I should let the audience in on the selection process for the content of the podcast. I want it to be uh, interesting. Now, it can be important. Some things are going to be important, but mostly I want people to, uh, after 30 minutes or so, 20 minutes, I want them to uh, uh, leave the podcast saying, well, that wasn't completely wasted time. So that's my goal, and the content is chosen with that in mind. So what do you think? Should we get going, Randy?
1: I think, you know, based on the fact of my, you know, my volunteer position as producer, we probably should start rolling forward to make sure that we've got time to cover all this stuff because I'm looking at it and we don't want to miss any. All righty. Let's
0: plow right into it and see how far we get before we grind to a halt. Um, The uh, friends of mine that used to be young and virile, I'm talking about the dude friends because the lady friends I've always had are most of them are not young are not virile for sure. But uh, the guys that I have uh, grown up with and grown old with typically one by one by one, they've fallen to deafness and I'm surrounded by dudes that are deaf. And that have hearing aids, and that are constantly talking about their hearing aid problems. And I don't understand it because I've never had a hearing problem. But um it's <laughs> what we we have little neighborhood cocktail parties periodically, and the guys all talk about their hearing aids and which which company, which brand they have, and how they sync them up to the Bluetooth and all that stuff. But the first one that uh, really, brought it to my attention was a friend of mine in St. Charles, Illinois named Paul. And if you want to see him um, on the internet, discussing the brand that he likes very much, then what you want to do is go to www. Uh, www.phonakpaul.com. I think it's P H O N A K P A U L.com. I believe that's the URL. Anyway, he spent his formative years after high school on the uh, flight deck of an aircraft carrier off the coast of Vietnam. And so years later, that activity has taken its toll on his hearing. A lot of this hearing damage is kind of like sun damage. It's uh, it shows up later in your life, but some of these other guys that use hearing aids don't have that same history. That's just, their ears have just stopped to stop working. And I don't know what the heck is uh, is going on with them because I have not had the same problem. But uh, this article uh, popped up today, and I thought it might be interesting because if other people listening to a Medicare podcast are having the beginnings of or even uh, intermediate hearing problems, and if they, like most people, are concerned about facing dementia at some point in the future, because often we don't know whether that's going to happen to us or not then this article is kind of interesting and it may bode well for the future it says study finds that hearing aids may reduce dementia risk for senior i hate that word senior uh for and and it's even a misprint here it's even worse than usual it says senior should say seniors with hearing loss so study finds that hearing aids may reduce the dementia risk for people with hearing loss. An analysis analysis of 31 other studies concludes that for people with hearing loss, hearing aids reduce their risk of long-term cognitive decline by 19%. I wish it was 20%. As we age, the frightful prospect of dementia is, in some respects, out of our hands. Simply getting older is the biggest risk factor, followed by genetics. There are factors we can address, like diet, lifestyle, and managing blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. But a study published earlier this month in the journal uh, JAMA Neurology, so Journal of the American Medical Association, Neurology, looked at hearing loss, which is found in about two-thirds of adults over age 70. The analysis of 31 other studies concludes that people with hearing loss, hearing aids, reduces their risk of long-term cognitive decline by 20%, 19%. Uh, This uh, otologist at Columbia University, who was not part of the study, said the big question is, do hearing aids prevent dementia? Do they improve cognition? And with this study that just came out, I think we can say probably, he said. But to really say that, uh, that that's the case, What we need is a randomized controlled trial. And so that's the next step. And luckily, some of these are coming down the turnpike. He means the pike. They're coming down the pike. So a modifiable risk factor. They always use these people's names. A researcher at Johns Hopkins said that there should be few caveats, a few caveats, because this study relies heavily on observational research. She is working with another guy who's a director of the Cochlear Center for Hearing at Johns Hopkins and others on a randomized trial of nearly 1,000 older seniors with hearing loss. It aims to nail down whether hearing aids reduce the risk of dementia. She points to a recent uh, to research showing that it's the biggest modifiable risk factor if hearing loss does cause dementia that means we can potentially prevent up to 8% of dementia cases this is why the randomized trial deal uh, is working on so and so is working on is so important researchers say there are three theories that could explain the connection between hearing loss and dementia the first is reduced socialization people who have hearing loss They tend not to listen to interesting radio programs like this, uh, this person said in an interview. (laughs) They tend not to go out and socialize as much, and they're not having as much cognitively stimulating conversation. And over time, that might, might not be good for your cognition. The second explanation is increased cognitive load. Because of changes within the ear, the brain is getting a garbled signal that takes more effort to process, effort that should be spent forming a memory or understanding meaning. Finally, the experts say parts of the brain associated with sound, speech, and memory formation actually shrink in people with hearing loss. Over-the-counter hearing aids, Executive Director Barbara Kelly of the Hearing Loss Association of America said lack of access to health or to uh, care and high prices have kept many people many let's say participants from getting the help they need that's changing since october when over the counter hearing aids became available there's a stigma as well people associate hearing aids with old age but for a generation of baby boomers they can be the key to staying vibrant and healthy baby boomers really are the ones who want to stay fit and they want to stay active, Kelly said. Hearing loss and hearing health is definitely part of that. So, this Golub person foresees, I, I may not have, I may have skipped over Golub's name. I know that these articles can get pretty boring if all you're hearing is names and their, their um, offices or their job descriptions at various. Uh, Organizations. Anyway, they'd mentioned somebody named Golub earlier in the article. Golub foresees a snowball effect from over the counter hearing aids. They'll become automatic, like gli- eyeglasses or seat belts. For whatever reason, he said, we haven't got into the habit of sticking hearing aids into our ears and when we have hearing loss. Okay. And it just makes sense to do that. And I think over the next decade or so, we're going to see a lot of change in that regard. So this guy is saying that the ease with which we can acquire over-the-counter hearing aids is going to change the um, cognition, improve the cognition, I guess, of people who are uh, hard of hearing so that they'll have less risk of uh, dementia. Well, I hope that's true. Um, Here's an article about people with dementia, and it is entitled, They Live with Alzheimer's. Here's how they want to be treated during the holidays, in their own words. I'm going to tell you, my mother-in-law got Alzheimer's. My grandmother, her sister, uh, they all really didn't care how they were treated. I mean, they didn't seem to have a lot of opinions. Uh, This article has a big picture of some people Sitting at a table, I think they're maybe eating, although the picture doesn't show specifically a lot of detail, but the one in the middle who is purportedly the one that has Alzheimer's is a woman. If I swear, ladies and gentlemen, if you go into the insurance business, you're going to see the weirdest looking people, and uh, this woman is no exception. I've seen her on many other insurance company websites and in other insurance publications in Uh, Medicare.gov publications and on their website because she's got a very distinctive haircut. She's probably not even 65. I'm guessing that she's probably late fifties. She's got a crew cut and it's like she got a crew cut three weeks ago and she's due for another one. I don't know who told her that this was a good look, but apparently the people taking the pictures, that love to take pictures of weirdos for Uh, insurance companies and medicare type stuff they think she fits right into this whole thing so they've got her pictured here with a big grin on her face like she has alzheimer's and can't figure out what's going on so i just wanted to tell you that if you see a woman who's black glasses very bright and perky looking with a crew cut that looks like her hair was cut three weeks ago then you're going to see the same woman i'm seeing So the article here is they live with Alzheimer's. Here's how they want to be treated during the holidays in their own words. Betsy Groves has always valued what she calls enduring traditions. The 73-year-old mother of two and grandmother of three loves hosting her family and friends around the table during the holidays, especially for Thanksgiving when she takes charge of the cooking for the roughly 15 family members that join alongside and a few added guests from time to time. When she was a lecturer at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, she habitually invited some of her students to Thanksgiving, many of whom were far away from their homes. She would create an elaborate menu in her Cambridge home of traditional dishes and her applauded pecan pie splashed with vanilla ice cream or whipped cream. Uh, Splashed, that doesn't sound right, but okay. She thrived on multitasking, uh, which was required to make the holidays run. And took a lot of pride in getting everything on the table in time, especially alongside her family, and some new faces. She even challenged herself to cook for a vegan and fruititarian once, which she said provided unique opportunities for broadening our menu operation uh, options to celebrate the holiday. Uh, no thanks. If if I'm ever offered that, I'll just tell you right now I'm not going to be interested in a vegan and fruitarian whatever that is, uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And Randy's making faces like, oh, geez, what the heck? Why would they mess with a successful holiday? We finally get it perfected, and then they want to go and change it. But a diagnosis she received last year forced her to come to terms with her role in these long-held traditions. This Thanksgiving, she had to forego her apron and put her cooking skills aside. There was a piece of loss for me about recognizing that these are one of the skills or traditions that I need to let go of or really can't do anymore as competently in the summer of 2021. When she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when working at Harvard as a lecturer of child mental health and development, she struggled with her memory preparing for her lectures became more challenging and she has since left her job. It was devastating. Frankly, it came out of nowhere. She says, It's a game changer. I mean, it's a life sentence. This year, her husband offered to cook uh, Thanksgiving dinner, hoping to alleviate the newfound challenges Grove faces in her daily life, like having difficulty planning and juggling multiple tasks. She has early Alzheimer's, which can present as having some memory loss, being more forgetful, having challenges or changes in mood or personality or trouble planning and problem solving. Not preparing her usual menu felt like taking away part of what was important to me she says still groves said her husband told her it just has to be this way isolated and alone over 6 million americans live with alzheimer's a number estimated to grow by over twofold since 20 or by 2050 so it's going to double by 2050 could have just said that one in 3 seniors die from alzheimer's or dementia and many people in the early stages don't get proper diagnoses until later in life this has led many to see alzheimer's and dementia in its later stages and uh it can make people living in the early and middle stages of, of the disease feel forgotten or alone she said this uh, a woman who shall go unnamed so many people when they hear the words alzheimer's disease or that somebody was diagnosed with it, they immediately go to the end stage of the disease. People may assume that the person cannot be part of gatherings because their communication or demeanor has changed, or that they struggle to recall their close relatives. While we know that because this is a progressive disease that it's eventually what the late stage of the disease may entail, Individuals who are living in the earlier to even the middle stage of the disease can really still engage and participate in the holidays. They may have to alter how they participate. I'm still me, as uh, the paragraph opener groves was able to join the gathering on thanksgiving although not in charge like usual now christmas with her family will be more low-key and centered around her grandchildren she plans to enjoy the day beside them some people fear including those living with alzheimer's in gatherings so as not to make them feel uncomfortable however in many cases people still want to be treated as they always have been that rings true for 62-year-old Rita Harrison, who was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment in 2018. She believes it has, pro- it has progressed to stage 3 Alzheimer's, although it's not her official diagnosis. The news has been frightening for her and her family, but she still wants people to see her as her whole self. I've had so many people say, you look great, she says. I don't know what people are expecting when they see somebody with Alzheimer's. I am still me. She doesn't shy away from talking about her situation with her family. She has four children and five grandchildren. She enjoys the holidays alongside her family, and although she doesn't do all the cooking like she used to, and she tends to have events start in the afternoon because the nights are hard for her now, due to a common dementia feature called sundowning, I've always heard it called sundowners where people get more confused and tired in the evenings. I'm very open with what's going on with me because I want them to know the good and the bad. I'd rather they hear it from me uh, than somebody else down the road. And that way, when I get in the later stages if I'm saying something that I shouldn't be saying, they're going to know it's the disease and not me. So how to make them feel included. The diagnosis doesn't need to be an elephant in the room. Everyone diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia experiences it it differently and may need a host of accommodations that don't require them to miss out on traditions they have cherished. A lot of times what happens is that there's this distancing of loss or loss, distancing or loss of relationships that occurs as a result of the stigma. The best thing you do is just be there for them, not to distance yourself, but ask, how are you doing? Do you need anything? To make people living with Alzheimer's feel more comfortable during the holidays, the Alzheimer's Association encourages people to share their diagnoses so that people can know the symptoms to better engage with that individual. Someone in the early stages may feel anxious or uncomfortable around noise or chaos, so having a quiet room during the holidays may be beneficial. Consider including that person in the conversation and asking yes or no questions if someone has difficulty speaking, but don't make assumptions about what a person living with Alzheimer's can or cannot do. Those in the early stages might not present with many obvious symptoms, but it's important to help them feel included. It also may help to delegate during the holiday season to ease the burden on the individual and their caregiver to make it the same as it's always been. Uh, Harrison takes it day by day, trying to spread the message that people need each other to live through this. She also joined a support group once a month for those in her position, about a two-hour drive from her home in Kentucky. You can't fight this battle alone, she says. There are, there is times, now I don't, is that the disease talking? There are times when you just think you're going to go crazy, you're losing your mind, If you can't talk about it, it's just going to get worse because you're actually living what I call a nightmare. For Groves, there's an appreciation for not living in ignorance. It's given her some control over what she wants to do and how she wants to make a On her own terms, she has something happened to my microphone. Uh, Okay, I'm going to finish this up. On her own terms, um, let's see. She is keenly aware of what her diagnosis means for her life although acceptance has not been easy. Alzheimer's is a journey, and it includes just being able to let go of things that you know you can't do well anymore. I wonder what it's going to be like next Christmas, but I'm just not engaging in that kind of forward-looking worrying or prediction. Okay, uh, my microphone fixed itself Randy. I mean, he was taking a nap. He should have been right on top of things, pushing buttons and realizing there was a uh, an emergency, but no, no, he's listening
1: apt. Oh, that was a pretty good. Your mic is not working at all now. No, it went back to the uh, default
0: position, like it shouldn't have. I
1: don't yeah, know why it's a, telling me that. It's uh, doing some weird stuff, beeping at me, and I can't
0: uh, figure out why. Anyway, I did want to say that um, uh, my my grandmother and her sister, you know, they were very close and everything else. Both Texas gals, and uh, when they got to their eighties. And when they both, uh, you know, had Alzheimer's, they were opposites in terms of personality. My grandmother was hell on wheels. She had always been large and in charge in her life. Uh, And she was married to a hard-charging, very successful businessman. And my aunt was married to a small-town president of a bank, so less intense on a daily basis. And uh, more relaxed life, probably. It's going back and forth, Randy. My mic is not behaving properly. No, so anyway, not. anyway, the two would be uh, they As they got into Alzheimer's, they were totally different. They were affected in totally opposite ways. My grandmother was constantly trying to, you know, get up and do things and tell people what to do and uh, march around dragging her dog outside every five minutes to go to the bathroom and calling to make reservations to fly from Illinois back to Arizona. And her sister, uh, all you had to do was put her in a chair. And she'd sit there with a big old grin, and she'd say, isn't it a beautiful day today? And that's pretty much all she would say. a wonderful day. So she was the happy kind of Alzheimer's. My grandmother was the angry uh, kind. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not, but if I do, I'd rather have the happy kind that's <laughs> much less trouble to take care of. So anyway, that's uh, that's probably all we should take the time out for today, Randy
1: yeah i uh, i think we have well we've overstayed our time just a little bit but not a whole bunch so let's uh, go ahead and land the plane and uh, bring the train into the station because uh, we need to thank some folks as you mentioned earlier on in the podcast uh, we've got the new book out we've got all that good stuff but you've covered that pretty well but the only thing i was going to mention is If you could find a place to give us a good rating, five stars would be great. We're in the rating wars right now. So if you could do that, that would be great. We would certainly appreciate it. And thank you for joining us today on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We always enjoy having you because without you, it's not nearly as much fun. So thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. And we are going to go ahead and sign it off today. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma, no more, living in the high mountains behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his fortress of solitude.
0: Bye-bye, everyone.